If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 15. Now, if you were here with us, before we took a, a short break for the holidays, uh, we had covered uh, verses 1 through 12. And so this morning, we're going to cover uh, verses 13 through 29. And we want to look at part 2, uh, the Jerusalem Council on Circumcision. Uh, this is a very vital point in the history of the church. I'm talking about the Christian church. We're coming out of Judaism that's pointed to the cross, and we come uh, into this new concept, this new covenant. It's called Christianity, and it is still with us today. I want to give you a little bit of background because I want you to think, if this Jerusalem council would have voted another way, where would the church be today, or would there be a church and so obviously, uh, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what he's doing. And so I want to give you uh, a little bit of background of where, where we were uh, before we took a break. And I want to read to you again uh, Nelson's Bible Dictionary. And he speaks about the Jerusalem Council, and he brings it out more clear than I would. A conference held in about uh, 49 A.D. between delegates, including Paul and Barnabas, from the church in Antioch in Syria, delegates from uh, the church of Jerusalem, this consul met to settle a dispute over whether Gentile converts uh, to Christianity first had to identify with Judaism by being circumcised. According to uh, Luke chapter, uh, or according to Luke the writer in Acts chapter 15 verse 1, listen to this, Certain men came down from Judea, and they taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, speaking about the law, you cannot be saved. Radical statement. And so this is the purpose of the Jerusalem Council. Uh, we continue here. They insisted that Gentiles could not be uh, received into the church unless they were circumcised, uh, brought under the rules of the Mosaic law, uh, the Apostle Paul, teacher of the Gentile of freedom, said that all people, both Jew and Gentile, are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ apart from the works of the law. To require circumcision, he argued, would destroy the good news of God's grace. The conclusion of the Jerusalem Council, which determined that Gentiles did not have to be uh, circumcised, was a sweeping victory for Paul's understanding of Christianity. Speaking for the Consul, the Apostle Peter declared, We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, speaking about the Jews, shall be saved in the same manner as they Speaking of the Gentiles, and that's taken out of verse 11. So vital to the body of Christ. And what we're going to share this morning, and we're really going to push on this subject, and that is the Council of Jerusalem, they make a great decision, but I want you to think about your salvation. Your salvation is based upon Christ, period. And I've been in ministry long enough. There are those that say, Jesus Plus, be careful when we add to the salvation message. I've been told by some, uh, Jesus is our salvation, but you must be water baptized. I've been told by others, Jesus is our salvation, but you must speak in tongues. And so the list goes on. You have to be very careful. The Bible says to test all things. Prove all things. And how do we test? How do we prove? But by the word of God. It is so important. Let me just share this real quick. Uh, why was the decision of the Jerusalem Council so important? Think about it. What would have happened to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to Christianity if the council had not decided uh, or had decided that circumcision is necessary for anyone uh, to become a Christian? Such a decision would have been disastrous. It would have forced a condition that would have been unacceptable to the Gentiles. The missionary efforts would have been uh, become more difficult. They would have been stifled, quenched, and Christianity would not have become nothing but a sect 
within Judaism. Furthermore, the truth of the gospel would have been compromised instead of the gospel based on salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It would have become one based on salvation by works. Church, I cannot emphasize more. Be careful. We're going to hear more and more and more on salvation plus. We do not add to the word of God. We do not take away from the word of God. The grace of God is just incredible. And some of you, I hope and pray all of us, have experienced that. There is nothing that I can do. There's nothing that you can do. It's been done already at the cross. Our place is because we're free moral agents, we must choose. But God will not force it on us. Oh, he, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is there. But we must respond with our own heart. And most of you, I believe, if not all of you, have. And praise God. Now, let's go back up to Acts chapter 15. And I want to just read quickly through verses 1 through 12 because, like I shared, we took a break and we expounded on these verses. And then we'll get into the, the main teaching this morning. Notice, and we begin in verse 1, and we read this already. And certain men came down from Judea, and they taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. These men are called Judaizers in the New Testament. Salvation plus circumcision. It's called works. In verse 2, therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, a dispute with them, he says they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of, of them should go up to Jerusalem uh, to the apostles and the elders about this question. No small controversy. Uh, that's the translation. In other words, there was a huge division between them. And so let's take it to the consul. In verse 3, so being sent on their way uh, by the church, they passed through uh, Phoenicia and Samaria, describing uh, the con conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy uh, to all the brethren. Paul and Barnabas would always seize the opportunity. They're going back to Jerusalem, and they go ministering from house to house, basically, in the various synagogues now in the cities. In verse 4, and when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. I want you to think where they're at. I mean, they're traveling great distances, sometimes by, by ship, uh, sometimes uh, most likely by walking. And if they had access to donkeys or, or to camels, but the traveling incredible. Look at verse 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees, this is part of the Sanhedrin, but notice they were believers. They rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And so now in verse 6, we pick up that they're in the Jerusalem consul. And the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. And when they were there, had had been much dispute, Peter rose up and he said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear of the word of the gospel and believe. You go back to Acts chapter 10. Peter is sent to Cornelius' house in Caesarea. And it was not an easy task for Peter. There he receives a vision of a great sheet. The Lord says, what I have cleansed, do not call common. Him being very Jewish, very strict in the law, would not eat the meats of the Gentiles. What was the outcome when Peter finally succumbed to what the Spirit of God wanted? Not only did Cornelius uh, come to salvation, but the Spirit of God was poured out on Cornelius' house. His household, his family, his servants, and then he was in the military. He was a centurion. He was, he was an officer. He had his men there, and they came to saving grace. We have to be open to what the Holy Spirit is saying. In verse 8 through verse 12, And so God, who knows the heart, 
acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. Back in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, as was promised by Christ in the prophecy of Joel chapter 2. And made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. No distinction between Jew and Gentile. And yet salvation is to the Jew first. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting this yoke of bondage on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to keep? He's speaking about the law. The law was good, but the law was pointing to the cross. The law was good, but the animal sacrifices were temporal. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is all about. Study it. Notice now as we conclude, and he says in verse 11 and 12, but we, listen to Peter now, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. If you never uh, encountered Romans chapter 10, verse 13, I love it. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it consist of to call upon the name of the Lord? Uh, what if you uh, having a head-on collision, you can see it. There's seconds, and you truly cry out, oh, my God. Is that enough for your salvation? You know the airplane's going down. You might have seconds. You might have minutes. And you cry out to God, Lord, forgive me. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe God gives everybody, everybody, the opportunity to receive Christ or to reject Christ. Understand that. The conclusion here now in verse 12, then all the multitude kept silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Saul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And now we begin our study in Acts 15, verse 13, the Jerusalem Council on Circumcision. We're going to look at part two now. Verse 13 begins, and after they had become silent, James answered, Saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Now, James is the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Uh, but there's more to James than we understand. He is called also uh, James the Less. There are several James in the scriptures. But when we speak about James here, he's the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Now, I know it's hard, especially uh, here in our culture, very Hispanic, very uh, Catholic culture. This is my background. Twelve years of Catholicism in the school system. I understand it. I, I, I know it. I know the rituals, the rites, and the customs. But you search the scriptures, and the Bible says it'll set you free. If you need some homework, I want to give you some, uh, some homework here. James is a half-brother of Jesus. You need to study Matthew 13, verses 53 through 58, Jesus had brothers and sisters. In Acts chapter 2, we find Jesus' brothers and sisters and Jesus' mom, Mary, in the upper room. They're waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said, go 10 days, and they waited. And the prophecy of Joel chapter 2, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. Jesus' brothers had to get born again. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to get born again. You cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit unless you're a Christian, unless you're born again of the Holy Spirit. And so this is exactly what took place. And now God has him, James that is, as the leader of the Jerusalem church. Look at verse 14 now. Simon had declared how God at first visited the, the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. He's talking about Acts chapter 10. There at Cornelius' house. We know that salvation is to the Jew first. Peter, very Jewish. I want you to see the ramifications of and Peter's heart. He sees this great sheep. And basically, he sees all the pork products. That's what I'm thinking. 
Peter, what I have cleansed, do not call common. And we see the marrying, listen to me, of the Jew and the Gentile. God is no respecter of persons. The Jewish people, the Jewish state, the Jewish land, Jerusalem, the Bible says it's the apple of God's eye. And again, we've mentioned this many times. Why is it that everybody wants to uh, take Jerusalem away? Why is it everybody wants to, you know, split Jerusalem in half? Why is it that they hate the Jewish people? Because God said, they're the apple of my eye. His land, his people, Jerusalem belongs to the Lord. And Peter stands up. If anybody was Jewish, this was uh, Peter. Look at verse 15. And with this, the words of the prophets agreed. Just as it is written. Now, pay attention here. In verses 14 and 15 that we just read are confirmed by Jesus, first of all, in Luke chapter 21, verse 23. And then Paul brings it back in Romans chapter 11, Verses 25 and 26. The time of the Gentiles fulfilled. You have to understand something. That in 70 AD, Titus and the Roman army came in, leveled Jerusalem. The Jews are scattered to the four corners of the earth. The Zionist movement, uh, which was roughly around uh, the late 1800s, the beginning of the 1900s, the Jews began to return to Israel. Uh, This is Ezekiel 36 and 37. And that they would come back and God would put uh, flesh on the dry bones and they would blossom and they have church. On May 14, 1948, Israel becomes a nation. Beautiful scriptures. According to Romans chapter 11, the Gentiles become the grafted in branch. In a sense, we are spiritual Israel. Uh, People ask me, well, what's your ancestry, Pastor Bob? I says, I came from Adam and Eve. Oh, no, 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 come on, come on. Think about it. Okay, there was a flood. It was all destroyed. So it starts all over again, okay? Noah. And, you know, people just can't get it, just can't get it. The Jews and their blood is everywhere, everywhere. I I love that. Now, notice in verse 16 and verse 17, they go together. If you're taking notes, it's basically taken from Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. He's speaking about the prophets, and then he quotes, after this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild it, its ruins, and I will set it up again. In Amos chapter 9, verse 11, it was fulfilled by Jesus Christ as our Messiah. Isn't Jesus called the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? Of the tribe of Judah? Interesting. God said that there would always be the scepter in King David's line. Even though David, and we're studying that on Wednesday night, didn't always have it together, but he was a man after God's own heart. The other portion of Amos, look at verse 17. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, saith the Lord who does all these things. The consul at Jerusalem is so vital. The Jews that were there at the consul, they come to this conclusion. They recognize Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Men of God, with a teachable heart, a teachable spirit, with an open heart, a heart that's been softened, listen, by the Holy Spirit, make great decisions. Well, I've had my share throughout the 30-plus years of making wrong decisions, bad decisions, but ultimately I'll go back and, Lord, correct this thing. We have to seek the Lord. And so here at the Jerusalem Council, they're seeking. And they recognize the prophecy in Amos. And it's going to be poured out to the Gentiles. We can't hold it back. 
How can you hold God back? How can you say God's going to save this group, but he's not going to save that group? Who are you? And there are people that say that. Listen to the other side of the coin. If you say this group is going to heaven and this group is not, then you're sending some to hell and some to heaven. Hell was never created for mankind. Listen to me. Hell was created for the fallen angel. But because we reject Christ, hell is there. Well, you know, Pastor Bob, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another road. Uh, Many roads lead to God. I've watched Oprah before. Come on. (laughs) You're going to have to take it up with Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but through me. And we add to that, we're going to be in trouble, church. We're going to be in trouble. Look at verse 18. Known to God, exactly what's taking place at the Jerusalem Council. Listen to this. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Oh, I love that. Watch how we fit into this. Uh, We shared on Wednesday night, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows all things. His plan for the Gentiles was known by him, obviously. And yet he uses man. And we have to be led by the Spirit of God. Well, this is not the way it works. And what are we seeing today? We're seeing homosexual pastors. We're seeing lesbian women. And they're being ordained to the ministry. I don't hate them. We love the sinner. We don't love the sin. That was a quote from Augustine. Very important church. Well, listen, we're in the 21st century. Same-sex marriage. No. Isn't it interesting? We come into the 21st century, and so man has changed, but God's word has not changed. How dare us Try to change God's word. We see it all the time. And if we don't comply, we're going to start to see trouble for church pastors that are holding to the word of God. Well, listen, pastor, if you don't change that message, we're going to have to incarcerate you. We're going to have to take you in. Well, I says, there's Pastor Jay. Go see him. (laughs) Verse 19, therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. Listen to James now. He's coming to the conclusion. I love this here. He says, as I judge, the Greek is saying, here's my opinion. Or as a judge would pass sentence. Don't think that James is being uh, the final judge on the matter, but states clearly and plainly, uh, let us not trouble those, speaking of the Gentiles, that includes you and I this morning. James and the Jews come to this conclusion. James is the spokesman. How can we trouble those that are coming to God? Well, listen, I know you got saved, but you need to take care of this. Listen, I've heard it all. You're not saved. I don't don't hear you speaking in tongues. You're not saved. You weren't water baptized. You're not saved. Look at how you're dressed. You need to cut that hair, shave that beard, and for God's sake, get some shoes on. Be careful, church. Be careful. The love of Christ, the grace of Christ is beyond our outward. I don't care how you look in the outward. And tell me, does a three-piece suit make you a Christian? It's what's inside the heart. And I thank God that he knows my heart and he knows your heart. Salvation is to the Jew first. We know that. But then a whole, they have rejected the message of the gospel. And so, basically, the Gentiles have become the grafted-in branch. But don't take away, there's a lot of believing Jews out there. 
Oh, praise God for the Messianic fellowships. Praise God for uh, the churches that are in Israel. Praise God for, uh, we work with Sorel Tours when we go uh, to our Israel trips and, and we have a beautiful guide by the name of Yuval and his wife, Ruth. They just love the Lord. They just love the Lord. And so, look how exciting what's going on in this Jerusalem council. Look at verse 20 now. But that we write to them to abstain. Abstain. And it's rightfully so here because uh, Gentiles at this time were into idol worship. Gentiles at this time were eating meats that were uh, strangled. Gentiles at this time had sexual perversion involved with their idol worship. And so what they're saying here is very clear. And so look at verse 20 again, but they were right that we write to them to abstain, speaking about the Gentiles, from the things polluted by the idols, from sexual immorality, and from things strangled, and from the blood. So verses 19 and 20, very critical here. James is giving an excellent word of wisdom as the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. Gentiles as well as the Jews will come into the kingdom. Notice There has to be uh, this separation. There has to be this abstaining from various forms of sin. Idol worship was so prevalent, uh, and it involves sexual sin many times. Animal sacrifices and blood that offered unto these idols. And and then uh, the Jews were very good. The animals had to be cut and bled, and yet... Gentiles were known for trapping the animals. And then the animals would die sometimes in the traps. And the animals would be strangled when they were captured. And according to the Jewish law, that was not to be done. So what they are encouraging here, abstain from these things. Isn't it the same with us? We come to saving grace. Bob, you need to abstain from this. And nobody told me it was in the word of God. The Word of God tells you, hey, don't be lying, don't be cheating, don't be stealing. The Word of God tells you, don't be cursing. The Word of God tells you everything. People say, oh, it's not in there. Oh, it's in there. It's in there. Well, what about the lost books of the Bible? What are you looking for, a loophole? And basically, that's what people do. And and notice verse 21 now. And I love this, for Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him, speaking about the law, in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. That's from the times of Moses, James is saying, as was preached in various synagogues up to the present time, to abstain from uh, these sins of idol worship, all sexual perversion. Many times as we shared, it was part of the worship. Kill the animal and drain the blood unless you violate the blood laws. Abstain from these sins. Now, I'm sure all of you at one time or another have eaten a good steak. I love my steak medium rare. And I've been at the table with Family, friends, loved ones. Oh, that thing's pretty, pretty red and it's running. I says, I cooked it to what I like and I prayed for it. I go, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, but I'm telling you, people get hot under the collar. Listen, you want to eat shoe leather, that's up to you. Burn your steak. As for me and my house... <laughs> Moses wrote the law because the Lord gave him the law. The five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. Notice that Moses preached it. And the preaching continues even to this day. These commands were read and taught in synagogue since the time of Moses. It was vital for the Jews to continue in them. 
It was important that the Gentiles learn this. Paul later would have to deal with the meats purchased and eaten by the Corinthian brothers. Paul said, don't stumble your brother in Christ. Alcohol was a big problem for me back in the day. And I've gone to Christian homes and, you know, we're there for dinner. And I'm in the kitchen and I said, uh, you know, can I get another soda? They said, sure. Uh, open the fridge. And it's tough when the first times I see it, there's a bottle of wine in there. And I'm going, oh, man. You have to let those things go. Is it wrong to have a glass of wine? No. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. If you desire a glass of wine, and you're free to do it. But Paul was saying, you were inviting people there into Corinthian church, come on over for dinner. We got some great pieces of meat my wife picked up at the market. You know, those pieces of meat that are offered unto the idols after they sell them. And you're sitting there, whoa, and they give you this big piece of meat. Now what are you going to do? Well, Paul also encouraged, do not stumble your brother. Do not stumble your brother. Now, I have to say that Christian home, the first time we went, there was a bottle of wine in, in the refrigerator. But there wasn't, you know, excess of wines. It wasn't like a piece of bologna here and the rest was wine. <laughs> Judge not your brother in Christ. And by the way, the bologna was turned up. <laughs> we come to the part where the Jerusalem Council comes together. A decree or a letter of intent. Very historic event here. All this at the Jerusalem Council. Look at verse 22 now. Then it pleased all the apostles and the elders. This is the council. And then, listen to this, the whole church. To send chosen men of their company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, and namely uh, Judas, who was also called uh, or named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They knew their hearts. And so here, with this letter of intent, this decree, uh, the mission field is wide open now with the church of Jerusalem giving the blessing. Here's a good question. Do you need the blessings from man? The answer is no. I need God's blessings. But in reality, listen to me. All I need is God's blessings, but I have seen through the years. If what you do is right with God, man will acknowledge the blessings of God upon you. If you're in his will, God will anoint it. And others will recognize the anointing. Notice that James, the leader of the, the church in Jerusalem, gladly, he says, he's in the Holy Spirit, and they're going to send Paul and Barnabas, Judas, called Barsabbas and Silas, uh, back to Antioch. Antioch became the base camp, if you may, of the mission field. When the opportunity comes, Receive the blessing. Thirty plus years ago, in our church, the pastors knew that Mary and I had, were praying to come to New Mexico. And Pastor Raul was never in the meetings. I was always dealing with a guy named Mark Elder Alberson. He was assistant pastor. Pastor Xavier Reese, which is Pastor Raul's brother, and these guys were encouraging me and praying for me and praying for Mary. And i got to tell you, the enemy would come in. Where's Pastor Raw? How come he doesn't take time for you? And then he comes, finally, the last day. We're getting ready to leave. And he lays hands on me, and he prays for me. He anoints me with oil, and he sends me with his blessing and the church's blessing. And when we were getting ready to move out of our house, it was all, everything was packed. And we were standing in our, in our living room, empty. My wife was crying. I said, Mary, if you say the word, we won't go because I cannot get into ministry if my wife's not in it. And she says, no, I just, this is hard. It's tough. 
And not only did we leave our household and our city, our community, but we left mom and dad. And yet we were out in the driveway, and my dad comes over, lays hands on me. My mom comes over, lays hands on us, and Mary's mom and her, her dad also. And they prayed for us. Oh, there was a lot of tears. <laughs> Those first five years were tough, not easy. But the anointing of God, and I believe it's important to have the blessings of your pastors, the blessings of your church, and the blessings of your family. And so this is so beautiful when you begin to think now. This Jerusalem council, look at verse 23. They wrote this, speaking uh, of the Jerusalem council, a letter by them. The apostles, the elders, the brethren to the brethren uh, who are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and, and Cilicia. This letter, this decree was not necessarily for the Jews. Listen, because back in verse 21, it stated since the time of Moses, there has been the law read and studied in the synagogues. I believe it was more for the Gentile believers in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Very significant here. Not that it wasn't for the Jews, but the Jews knew this because they preached it in the synagogues. Interesting to me, in the Sanhedrin, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see the Messiah. You see, these guys at the Jerusalem Council, they first saw the Messiah. They received Christ. But now the issue is the Gentiles. What about them? And yes, they struggled with it. And it took Peter to be broken on the rooftop at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. What does it take for us? For God to break us. Let me share this. It was not easy leaving Catholicism. We were born and raised and bred in it. Mary went to the same schools I went to. I still know all the rituals, rites, and customs. I go by our old church and the hand wants to go up and make the sign of the cross. Tradition is very deep into the soul, into the heart. Only the Holy Spirit uh, can break us and move us out of there. Look at verse 24. Since we have heard that some uh, who went out from us have troubled you, he's going back to the Judaizers, with words unsettling your soul, saying you must be circumcised and to keep the law to them or to whom we gave no such commandment. They, it does not come from the Jerusalem Council. Through the years, there's been times, and people will call, people will write, well, we believe Calvary Chapel teaches this. And I quickly say, where did you get that? Well, you know, John Doe over here was telling me, well, John Doe is not even part of the church. You want to see the doctrines of the church? We have them. But be careful when you make accusations. We had a yard sale for our youth group years ago. It was a good yard sale out in the parking lot. I had a gentleman that came in and he says if Jesus was here, he would get the whip and move out the money changers. I think Jesus is here. You need to leave. And I got a couple of guys that will take care of that. You're always going to have that, church. You're always going to have that. Notice now, uh, the decree states, verse 24, those that have placed this yoke of bondage on the Gentiles concerning circumcision. It's not from us in Jerusalem, the consul, or these men who have come to encourage and to teach you. Speaking about Paul and Barnabas and company. The problem ones were the Judaizers who placed this yoke of bondage, this burden upon you. I have taught this so many times in the past. Never, ever preach or teach Jesus plus. It'll get you into trouble. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest a man should boast. Jesus plus circumcision? No. Jesus plus tongues? No. Jesus plus baptism? No, listen to this, Jesus plus tithing, no. 
Jesus plus fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. Oh, we have to be so careful, church. We have to be so careful. Notice verse 25 now. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Saul. Or Barnabas and Paul. Remember his name was chained. I, I like this. In the Greek, it seemed good or uh, to choose out men and to send them unto you. And he calls, listen, in the letter, beloved Paul and Barnabas. Beloved Paul and Barnabas. The word is agape. You can only receive agape love through the salvation in Christ. How different they're calling Paul and Barnabas uh, beloved brothers, how different compared to, and I want you to mark it down, Acts chapter 14, verse 12, uh, the people in Lystra call Paul Hermes, and they call Barnabas Zeus. Interesting. And they wanted to honor them, remember? These were men of God. Men of God. Look at verse 26 now, and it just gives us a little bit more about the background of these guys, and this is part of your ministry. Men who have risked, the word is hazarded, it's the translation in the, in the Greek. Men who have risked or hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this includes the ladies. These men, not just Paul and Barnabas, also those mentioned back in verse 22, they risked their life. They risked everything. They gave up everything. Uh, yesterday, uh, here at the men's breakfast, it was beautiful, just tied in with what I was going to teach this morning. Concerning our men in Christ, we shared how it costs for us to be in ministry, how it costs for us to be fathers, how it costs to be a husband. How it costs to be a believer in Christ Jesus. And I want you to think of this. What did it cost Abraham to believe in God? He had to leave his country. What did it cost? Uh, when you think of Abraham, he waited so long for his son, Isaac. Finally, it was not Ishmael. He was the son of the flesh, but it was Isaac. And as a young man, listen to the cost. He was the one that carried the bundle of wood for the sacrifice. God told Abraham, take your son and sacrifice him. He wanted to see Abraham's obedience. Listen, it cost Jacob. Eventually, he had to bow before Esau, his brother. What about Joseph? It cost him. Uh, Jacob loved Joseph, the coat of many colors, and the brothers hated him. They sold him off to slavery in Egypt. Then they took the coat of many colors and soaked it in blood. It cost. And then when Joseph gets to uh, Egypt, he, he survives greatly. God uses him greatly. And he runs into Potiphar's wife. They accused of raping her. He did no such thing. He ran from sin. What did it get him? What did it cost him? He was sent into the dungeon. And by the way, he should have been killed, but I think Potiphar knew his wife. Hmm. What did it cost Moses? Moses was taken up to Mount Nebo, and he saw the promised land, but he did not partake of the promised land. What did it cost Joshua? Joshua lost the, uh, the single battle in Ai, and he goes to his tent, and he falls on the floor to pray. And the Lord says, Joshua, get up. It's not time to pray. In other words, he should have prayed before. But he saw insignificant AI. We can take it out. Ladies, it cost Hannah. Hannah went to prayer. I'm without child, Lord. Give me a man child. And the Lord says, I'll give you a man child, but you've got to give him back. It cost her. It cost her. When, when she was laboring in, in pain of prayer, Eli the priest thought she was drunk. It cost. What about Esther? It cost her. What about Mary Magdalene? It cost her. What about the lady called Dorcas in the New Testament? It cost her. I want you to think about this one. We'll go back to Abraham. It cost Sarah. 
Remember when they went to Egypt? What did Abraham say? Sarah, tell them you're my sister. She should have threw the porridge on his head. <laughs> Why did Abraham do that? To save his own hide. It's costly to be a Christian. Talk about third world countries right now. Is it costly for a Muslim to come to Christ? Yes. Could it be that it's going to come our way eventually? Radical statement. Look at verse 27. Now we want to come to the conclusion. Uh, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. Not only do we send Paul and Barnabas, but also Judas was called Barsabbas and Silas. May I say this? God will not send you unless you are willing to go. I would not be here the last 30 plus years if my wife was not behind it, if the Holy Spirit was not behind it. And this is the toughest time of our ministry right now. Mary's in Albuquerque. My daughter and her husband had a business trip. And so they called mom, would you come and babysit? She's gone. Isn't there something, you know, we, we raised our kids, and those of you that have grandparents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Why is it that God places such a love, a deep love, on your grandchildren, on your grandchildren? I remember the time I, I spanked one of my daughters in front of my dad. He starts crying. I go, you're crying? You beat us <laughs> because this is my granddaughter, you know. <laughs> How the tide changes, huh? Notice verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Oh, I love this. Verse 28 confirms that the power of the Holy Spirit was working in and through James and the leaders there at the Jerusalem church. Yes, they exhorted with love and compassion and grace. But we need to let it go and let God. I want you to mark this down in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. The caption of my Bible says, the work of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 13, it says, he, the Holy Spirit, will guide you uh, into all truth. He will lead you and guide you. Uh, the Greek is saying he will show you the way. Literally and figuratively, he's going to teach you through the word of God. He'll show you through a sign. He'll show you through a word of wisdom. He'll show you through a brother or sister in Christ coming to you and telling you with love and compassion. So many different variations how God speaks to us in clarity. But if it's led by the spirit of God, it'll identify with your spirit. Look at verse 29, the conclusion that you abstain. He goes back now reiterating what was written in the decree that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality if you keep yourselves from these who will do, no, do, who will do well. Farewell. Farewell, Paul says. When you study the scriptures, especially the Psalms, it speaks about the fowler and he sets the traps, he sets the net. That's not the way the Jews would do it. That's the way the enemy does it. He traps you. He seduces you. They were to get the meats and they were to cut and they were to drain the blood. It was very, very important. And so the trials that are going to come your way because you're a believer, the trials that came in the early church. Now, Gentiles are coming to saving grace. Some of the Jews stirred up the harnessness. And, you know, we, you have to be circumcised. You have to be circumcised. Didn't Abraham circumcise everybody? Even at an old age? It was a covenant. It was a covenant made in Genesis chapter 17 to separate you from the Gentiles. But Moses, in his writings, in the Pentateuch, he says what needs to be cut is not the foreskin, but it's the, the heart. There's where circumcision takes place. 
God has to cut that heart, remove the callous. God has to remove the anger, the strife, the jealousy. God has to remove those things. And I tell you, my heart was evil as your heart was evil. And only God can transform that heart. And so Gentiles were coming to saving grace. I want you to listen to this last verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. From verses 1 through 13, Paul shares examples of Old Testament trials. In verse 13, the New Living Translation, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations or the testings to be more than you can handle or that you can stand. When you are tempted, tested, tried, he will show you a way out that you may be able to endure. And trust me, I've been there where I lift up my hands and I said, Lord, I can't handle it anymore. Lord, this is beyond my comprehension. What did Pastor Saeed go through? What did Pastor Saeed's wife go through? She posted a couple, about a year ago, I remember it. Please pray for my children because they just have given up hope. They don't believe daddy's coming home. It's hard, church. It's hard. The mission field is not easy. All he was doing was setting up orphanages to bless Iranian children. He was on his third orphanage. And they arrested him. It's not fair. Well, you're not in the United States of America. You're in a third world country that basically hates Christians. Listen to this, though. We get all the reports from the underground church and the revival that is happening the greatest right now is in Iran. It's in Iran. What we see on TV and the bad guys and such, they're not Christian. But there's good Christian people. God has his army. Well, we don't quite understand. The Jerusalem Council is a blessing to us. It's a blessing to us. Let's all stand. We're going to end in a word of prayer. Give the Lord all the glory. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And we worship you, Lord. We stand in awe of your presence, of your holiness. Lord, of who you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, we ask you to pour out your spirit and conviction. If there's anybody here this morning that has not come to saving grace, today is the day of your salvation. If there's anybody here this morning that is in a backslidden condition, uh, today is the day that you come back to the sheepfold. I cannot bring you back to the sheepfold, and I cannot save you, only the power of the Holy Spirit as he moves upon you. Lord, we ask you to bless the offerings this morning. As you've given to us, we give back a portion. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all agree by saying, amen.